Blessed are those who thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Hi, my name is Jeremy Lightning, and I am here with Pastor Zebra. Uh, we have a guest with us today that is uh, Mr. Dave Ring, the principal at our uh, Wisconsin Lutheran School. Uh, welcome, glad to have you here today. Thanks, glad to be here. Um, also, I wanted to point out that uh, I'm using for hydration today a mug given to me by uh, one of your teachers, really, uh, Rachel Bushkoff, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you got one similar, I, I heard. It's at home. It says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, Proverbs 27 on it. So I thought that would be fitting for hydration today. And it would be fitting if I would have brought mine to church. It's sitting on my pile to come to church, but that's the way things work in my house. Yeah. Uh, so as we're looking with Dave here as our school principal, we've got school choice. And just real quickly, for those of you who don't have school choice, what it is is uh, in, in Racine, our schools, our public schools are so bad, just like Milwaukee public schools, that the government is paying for kids to come to a parochial school like ours at Wisconsin Lutheran School, or you'll hear us refer to it as WLS and Jeremy's School at Shoreland Lutheran High School. And that's about, what is it, Dave, about 8,700, 8,800? something like that, somewhere 84, 85, somewhere in there, yeah. yeah. Per student. Per student. Per student. And so, <clears throat> Dave and then Jeremy, what are the blessings of having school choice? Dave first. And, you know, and I, after I thought about this a little bit more, um, every blessing is also a curse. So whichever one you want to choose, we can go. So like the money, what a blessing. We can have a staff that we we can actually pay, not different than most Wells places. We have, like, we, we were given this Eanes money, which is $170,000, that we got $64,000 worth of 75-inch touchscreen TVs so that we could work with them in the classroom. What a blessing. I mean, that's just stuff we don't ever have at a Wells school. So... That's the, the financial stuff is truly a blessing. And also then the, the, the kids that we get to preach the gospel to is kids that wouldn't normally go to our school or go to a school like this. And um, that's been really neat, too. So that's a positive. Right. And, you know, with, with the financial thing, because God knew the exact right time, obviously, to allow us to have school choice because we would have been in, in financial straits as two congregations supporting our school uh, we don't really talk about it, but we probably would have been cutting staff and eventually closing the school. And so getting school choice in allowed us to keep the school open. And then, like you said, uh, the blessing of having these children in our school that we wouldn't be able to minister to. Uh, I took my daughter and her friend and our preschool teacher out canvassing yesterday, putting out about 200 flyers for school choice in one of the neighborhoods. And, you know, we picked a neighborhood around the church where I kind of figured not, you know, uh, the south side of Mount Pleasant, kind of where I live, uh, the north side. You know, people are probably two, fam- two parent incomes and so they don't qualify for school choice. And so, sadly, the homes that are around both of our churches and school, school campuses, broken homes and so forth, and those are families then that could never afford a private education be able to send their children to our school. And that's and that's a negative too because then they come in from the public school which isn't training them real well and our expectations are high and it's hard for them and our expectations for behavior are different than they're used to also. So that's that's a negative then but it's also a positive like you said to preach the word and, and oftentimes they come around but some of them just it's difficult. 
What have you seen, Jeremy? Because you, you're there now a year and a half. Uh, it's similar things. We just got a bunch of uh, new smart boards from the probably from the same Eans money that you were talking about. Um, but uh, then, yes, it, it is a double-edged sword that um, it, there, there's unfamiliarity with uh, the high standards and, and uh, behavioral protocol and things like that. And um, that, so there's a lot of adjustment that needs to take place. One of the things I was thinking about with it, too, is the, the broken homes. You know, Dave, you and I see it with the names of the students uh, you know, it's it's hard to try and figure out which kids go with other siblings and with the parents because the last names don't always match. Yeah, and I think on that same line, I, I wish we could do some parenting with some of these parents because it's just they it's it's confusion for a lot of them. It's just hard, and some of them are single parents. There was just a lady in my office the other day crying that she's trying to do her God-given best, but. She's one person, and, and, and I said, I said, well, God, God did plan for it to be a husband and a wife, and so, yeah, it is going to be difficult. Yeah, yeah and, that's that's, tough. and that's exactly it, uh, that you have these broken homes, and sin will do that. Mm-hmm. And then, sadly, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're excited to have these kids here, and you know, hopefully we can get into the homes, like you said, talk to the parents, but they may just be trying to escape Racine Unified and everything that's going there and then they're not really invested in our school and everything that we have because everything that we're teaching the kids you know we have adult confirmation classes for the parents to teach them the exact same thing but sadly many parents don't take us up on that. If I could uh, steer the conversation in a little bit different direction uh, we we could end up back here if you want to talk more about it but I was wondering if you could uh, share with us a brief overview of your uh, ministry, what you've done uh, as a teacher in your career. Yeah, I've been to a lot of places. I started in Gibbon, Minnesota for a... I actually started in Nicollet for a year. It was a one-year call in Gibbon, principal for six years. Um, school of about 55 kids. And then I went to Northland Lutheran High School for six years. Um, Manitowoc was our longest for 14 years, Manitowoc Lutheran High School. Then I did a total different direction and was at Bethany Lutheran College coaching and teaching for three years and then Nebraska Lutheran for five years and now at uh, Wisconsin Lutheran School for a year and a half. So that you've had experience on three high school campuses? Yes. Okay. Yes. What uh, made you want to come back to the uh, elementary or middle school? Yeah, and bef- before you answer that, because this is a question I remember asking you while you were holding the call, because I think people were saying... You know, did you feel like this was a demotion to go from the high school to the elementary school? So you can answer both of those. Yeah, no, the, the first demotion thing, I, I guess in the Wells, I've never thought of a high school higher level than a middle. I never even thought of that. I just thought it'd be cool to teach high school kids, and I love teaching high school kids. In fact, I'd still be teaching high school kids, but we were 10 and a half hours away from family, and this call was an hour and 10 minutes away from family. So really, family brought us back more than anything, I think. I get to see grandkids now every weekend if I want to. I mean, and, and and take them kayaking with you, right? Yes. Well, I'm building those, so I will. Yes, they they each get a kayak when they get confirmed. All right, because I know this is your pride and joy, like your wife and your children, too. right? But <laughs> like you're biking. Yes. <laughs> so explain your kayak. Yeah, I have a 41 pound wood kayak that I made myself about, I guess it's almost 15 years ago or more, and I uh, take it up to the Boundary Waters in uh, northern Minnesota, and I go down rivers with it, and I love it. Yeah, it's spectacular. Great way to get exercise. Yeah. It's, it's going from the uh, college level to the 
high school level could have maybe be seen as a it perceived as a demotion as well but you that obviously didn't even cross your mind not really uh, at the college I was at there were some good things happening but there were some weird things happening and they were cutting staff and stuff and at the age of 52 I didn't need to be cut anymore not that they would have because I just started a program but I didn't want to put it in their hands so I put it in the Lord's hands and said where where do you want me Lord so yeah to me that, it wasn't a demotion that was just last year uh, no, man, to, to go to Nebraska, that was... No, because I, th- I think, you know, you look like oh. you're about 53. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, that wasn't just last year. That's because of all the kayaking. <laughs> That's right, and the running. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yes, every morning Dave has to tell me how much he ran because I'm telling him how many inch I, bu- I was biking. That's right. You don't share any stories like that, Jeremy? About no, your- no. I, uh, if, you're, if you I, did CrossFit, because I hear CrossFit people, they got... If you CrossFit, everyone knows you CrossFit. That's true. I, I, I did some weightlifting one time last week. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Hey, before we get into the gospel lesson, uh, what kind of board games and card games do you guys play in your... See, I saw that question, and I don't. No? No. I don't. I, I don't. I, my, when I was a kid, I did a little risk with the neighborhood kids and stuff like that a little bit, because it takes forever, and you had time in summer, but... um. My daughter does a little bit, but Nancy and I haven't really ever done that. In fact, doing the cards that the guys like to do, too, I just like, no. Okay. No, not really haven't done many. You don't play sheep's head? I do once in a while, but they laugh at me because I'm so bad because I don't care. Oh, <laughs> after, those guys are bad, too. <laughs> I know, but after a day of school, the last thing I want to do is try to think about something like what card I should play next. Right. Yeah. You're, you're, you're playing cards all day long. I you're, am playing you're... cards all day long. It's, it's a struggle, yes. Yes. Jeremy, what kind of games does your family play? Uh, there's some strategy games. Uh, the, the ones my wife likes the best are um, the, the quickness of hand games. Like um, with the one that we do is Dutch Blitz. I don't know if you know that, but it's, it's kind of like one of those slap the table things where you gotta, when you see the card, you've got to grab it or, that, uh, or play it really fast. Um, but my sons and I, we like to do a little more strategy type games. Um, yeah, so I want to get to those strategy games. So one of the games that uh, Miriam came home with from college is, uh, is a full contact solitaire. So it's just regular kind of kind of regular solitaire, but instead of seven columns of your cards, you play with four and then you have 13 down. But you're playing on aces in the middle. But if all three of us were playing, We'd each play on the aces in the middle, and you're trying to get down that 13 column. And it's full contact because you're watching your cards and everyone else's cards at the same time to try and lay it, lay it down there. Uh, so full contact, solitaire, we play a lot of pit. Uh, we just started playing exploding kittens. That's what Dutch Blitz is a, a little bit like pit. It's kind of like that okay. fast-moving... Well, yeah, the reason I ask about the games is what's the best way to learn how to play a game? With anything, you just have to do it. You just have to do it, yeah. So the best way, because I could never, I've seen the games that your son Gabe has. If you can't give me the directions within a minute or two, I don't want to play it, I'm lost. Uh, Those games, because he played, he brought one of his games with us to a game night at church, and we had... We were rotating every 30 minutes. It took him 20 minutes to explain the, the rules. Do you, do you remember what the name was? No, I don't. Or, no. 
general tone of the game, the no, theory? I don't, because I wasn't paying attention after the first minute. <laughs> so, but the idea is you just have to do it. Well, I, uh, that's my lead-in to the gospel lesson is uh, Jesus has these brand new disciples. And it's kind of like Moses on Mount Sinai, and he has all the people around him, and he's giving the Ten Commandments. And some people think that the Beatitudes that we're going to read in Luke chapter 6, starting with verse 17, are like new rules. But it's not. It's, it's not rules. It's, uh, it's a different kind of instruction. And we'll talk about that in our application. But the reason I, I was talking about the, the games is the best way to be a Christian isn't by following rules. It's by just doing it. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at here. All right, Jeremy, you want to read the, the gospel lesson? Sure. Luke 6. Jesus went down with them and stood on a level place with a large crowd of his disciples and a large number of people from all Judea and Jerusalem, as well as from the coast, coastal area of Tyre and Sidon. These people came to listen to him and to be healed of their diseases. Those who were troubled by unclean spirits were also cured. The whole crowd kept trying to touch him because power was going out from him and healing them all. He lifted up his eyes to his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, because yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, because you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, because you will laugh. Blessed are you whenever people hate you and whenever they exclude and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because of this. Your reward is great in heaven. The fact is their fathers constantly did the same thing to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, because you are receiving your comfort now. Woe to you who are well fed now, because you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, because you will be mourning and weeping. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, because that is how their fathers constantly treated the false prophets. So, question for you guys. How are Jesus' instructions in his Beatitudes different than the instructions in the world? Uh, where does he give an instruction? Well, that's kind of what I'm getting at here. The, the, I mean, this is the point I make when I talk about the Beatitudes, is there's no imperative, there's no command word. Other I, Now that I say that, there is, in verse 23, it says rejoice. Um, it tells you to do something, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's... That's a real hard one. Hey, rejoice. Do some more can do that. rejoicing. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's the key. Is that's what I'm trying to get at is that uh, people think these are instructions that if you're poor, then you have the kingdom of God. If you're hungry, you know, then, and if you laugh and all of these things, they're really not instructions. It's really about doing. So how is that different? You know, what Jesus is saying here, how is it different from the, way, the ways of the world? Yeah, and I was going to say that as you're reading it too, that the ways of the world is get everything now and, and make it all great because you're, you're really beautiful. In fact, this, this last verse really caught me. The What do you, all the people who, who speak well of you? And isn't that what our, our whole world is trying to do right now? We all want to be important, have people speak well of us? You know, really. I, I was thinking with that one about a comment that somebody made to you that you shared with me about um, if... if uh, if all the parents of your students are saying nice things about you all the time, then you're probably doing something wrong. Was 
something along those lines. Yeah. And this week, I, I was not doing things wrong, apparently. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Sadly, sadly uh, you got a lot of people that really, really appraising you a lot, right? Well, the opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite the opposite. But yes, yes, it was one of those weeks. But again, this is this, I, love, I love coming back to God's Word like this because it just, it just encourages you. You know, what a neat passage at the end of a, on a Friday. Yeah, I was thinking of that passage, too. Uh, I had a re- retired pastor say about another pastor, oh, he's never said anything controversial. And my my wife and I were talking about it afterwards. It was at a party, and we said, I don't know if that's a good thing. I, I, I know where, where the retired pastor was talking about that, you know, his pastor, when that's great, didn't say anything controversial. And yet, God's word is controversial. If you say anything... Uh, if you're really poking, you know, you should be poking people. You should be poking their conscience. They should be uncomfortable. They shouldn't always be. If they're praising you of all the great things the pastor or the principal or the campus pastor are doing, then you're probably not upsetting some people's sinful natures. Back in Wausau, a long time ago, there was a pastor that I respected a lot. And he, and I was at Northland, which didn't have a good name necessarily even amongst some of the churches. And one pastor, while I was at his church, and I was a member of the church, said, you know, I'm not for Northern Iron, and I'm not against Northern. I said, well, then you're, by, by being on the fence and not saying anything good or bad about it, you're against it. Okay. And and bef- and, and we, we talked a lot, because I, I respect him a ton, but I said that during a meeting to him, and, and he came back to me and said, you're right, I, I was against it, and mm-hmm. I'd like to change that before I retire. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of kind of similar to that along that lines, too, Yeah. It, it was just thinking of a comment I got from a student uh, this past week that said, um, oh, Pastor Lane, he's a freshman, and, and I don't have him for class, but he walked into my room, and he was like, he's like, oh, I, oh you're Pastor Lane, you know? I, I, I wish I had you for class. I hear good things about you. And I was like, really? And he was like, well, I, I guess they're mixed reviews. <laughs> like, okay, That's that, that sounds That's more accurate. Better. Yeah, and if you're never <clears throat> hearing feedback, negative feedback and so forth, you're kind of in an echo chamber. You don't really know if you're reaching anyone. So yesterday I was at WLS and I was meeting with 7th and 8th graders talking to them about being confirmed. And some of the kids, you know, I asked, well, how are you showing that you're faithful now? You know, and one of the guys said, well, I'm there every Sunday, Pastor. You know that. I'm ushering up. And I, said, I know, but I have to ask. It's written down here. And even though they're my questions. But then you know, the uncomfortable one is some of the kids who want to be confirmed, but they're not coming to church. Yeah. And I had an interesting conversation with one, one girl. And so then I reached out to the ones who I thought might be interested in being confirmed, but aren't members anywhere. And I'm reaching out to them as 7th and 8th graders. And after I talked to, the, talked to her about these questions, I said, is there anything else? She said, yeah. I just don't agree with the communion thing. I don't know why I can't take communion now. But it, it you know, she had communion, uh, the, the Bible study, with the other pastors in the first or second quarter. I wasn't teaching it. And uh, she comes to one of our Wells churches in town here, but she just is not asking that question in a big class, but to be able to sit down with her. And I don't, I don't know if that was a negative thing she was thinking about the pastors, but just to be able to sit down one-on-one, to be able to uh, be able to reach out to these kids that you can't do when you're in a big group of 20-some. That's true. So, Mr. Ring, uh, 
one thought that came to my mind as we were reading through these has to do with um, uh, peer pressure or maybe bullying among students. I actually applied this passage not from Luke's gospel, but from Matthew's gospel uh, to a, a case this past week of um, a, a student being ostracized or more or less uh, for for righteous for for doing something right. Um, do you? Have any uh, comments on that or examples of of students who are persecuted because of righteousness? You know, not too much, really. I, I guess, and part of the part of the problem is going back to choice. Um, a lot of kids aren't going to church. That's one of our issues. We want to continue to work on at school, and that's one of our goals for next year. Um, not too much. I mean, there's a couple that in the community. It's if you tell on someone, you're you're a snitch, and then snitches get stitches. That's something I actually heard from a kid. Mm-hmm. So there's that attitude that if you're gonna say something good about a kid about so, or something bad about a kid or not even bad but tell them tell a teacher so they can be helped out they might get something that's kind of being righteous i guess that happened last year also that a kid said hey mr ring this is happening and when they found out who it was that's what they said snitches get stitches mm. so yeah i guess that would be an example of it yeah yeah uh, by the way for anybody of it, uh, that's uh, listening outside of our racine area here wls stands for wisconsin lutheran school not the uh seminary that's Often a confusion. Yeah, although uh, the seminary president, when uh, Wisconsin Lutheran School is there every two years for uh, a tour, he likes to say, well, WLS is visiting WLS. <laughs> That's funny. So, so with this, too, what is, he talk, what is Jesus talking about when he said, blessed are the poor, and blessed are you when you hunger, blessed are you when you weep? What, what is he talking about? That doesn't sound like a blessing. I'll give that to to the pastor here. Uh, I think it means wealth redistribution. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll go to the principal then. (laughs) Stay with Jeremy. (laughs) Is he talking about... Actually, no, I'll I'll use my uh, uh, German nerdiness on this one. Um, In German, there is a way to say that you have a lot of something and you have a, a, a very little bit of something. Um, and it's very it, literalistically, you would say, I am poor on, like right now I might say, um, uh, I am poor on chainsaws. I have, I have one chainsaw. Uh, or, or I am rich on uh, bird seed. We have, we have a bird at home, so there's a lot of bird seed. Um, and it's just saying there's a lot of something. And so I think that's a good way to think of it here is um, it, it has very little, if anything, to do with your monetary wealth. Um, it has to do with how you see yourself. If you see yourself as impoverished spiritually, if you see yourself as in need of forgiveness, um, Jesus says you're blessed because you're, uh, you, can't, you can't fill up a vessel that's already full of, its, of itself. You want anything to want to add anything? To well, that? And, I, and I think I I love what he said with that because that's so right. And yet, in our world, it's looked at as as financial or or, or your worldly part of it. I mean, I, I would I would guess that some of our uh, prosperity theologists out there would say, well, like look at this. He wants you to not be or whatever. You know, how, even though this is backwards, but yeah, that they would they would come up with something like that definitely. And thinking about someone who is poor and hungry. Uh, Get an email this week through our website, and then our office manager forwarded it to me. I reached out to the to the man, and I thought it might end there because sometimes you get spam like that. And I I, I sent the email to him, and 
I gave him my contact information and he called me. So it wasn't spam. And we talked a little bit. He said, I just am looking for a church. He's like 32 years old. I'm not, he goes, I've never been to church. I don't know anything about church. How do I find a church? And he lives downtown. He can drive by a whole bunch of churches. So somehow the Holy Spirit directed him to our website to find us. And I said, you know what? You can come to church on Sunday, but we have this Bible study on Friday morning. And he came. Wow. Yeah. And he was here early. So he's not like a Lutheran. And he came and we, we walked in front, walked in church. I kind of explained, I love explaining our paintings and the stained glass windows, the candle and all that stuff. And he saw the baptismal font. He said, I haven't been baptized. I don't know anything about baptism. Then he asked about the, the worship service. And I explained going through the worship service and standing and sitting and praying and singing and all of that. You know, and he asked a question I never at, I had before. Is he saw the hymn board. He said, what are those numbers up there for? <laughs> we just take it for granted. And then started talking about communion after the Bible study. But just someone who is so, in the words of Jesus, so spiritually poor. He has nothing. He's never been to church. Uh, he's spiritually hungry. And, uh, and I, I pray for him that God will use me and our church here to make him satisfied that he's poor and to become wealthy and rich with the kingdom of God, that he is alone, living by himself. He's got his, he, his issues. I mean, he was willing to open up to some guy, a pastor he never met. And he's l looking for that family atmosphere that we're able to provide in the church. And that that's the kind of person I think Jesus is describing here. Mm -hmm. While you were uh, talking, I was also thinking about uh, what we said before uh, about um, you, you can't be lukewarm. And uh, we also can't be lukewarm because Jesus himself isn't lukewarm um, he doesn't say, you know, blessed are these people. That That's the one interesting thing about Luke's uh, version on the uh, up Beatitudes is, uh, Matthew, you don't get the woes. Uh, here you see there, if you're not this, then you are that there's, if you're not, if you're not for us, then you're against us. And, uh, and so Jesus also gives the uh, counterpart to it with all of these woes. Yeah. And, as we're wrapping up this on the Beatitudes, uh, the reason I was talking about the commandments and the instructions, I was trying to lead you into seeing that, yeah, they're not rules, they're not instructions. Uh, because the Beatitudes are not a New Testament version of the Old Testament Ten Commandments and how to live. Rather, because Christ has already played and won by the rules, the Beatitudes are statements of facts. Notice, he doesn't say, this is what you're going to do and you're blessed. He says, this is way you are. And this is the way uh, you'll have woes. So these are descriptions of both Christ and their dis and descriptions of the disciples of Christ. So maybe the last question before we spend some time on the epistle lesson is for, for you two guys in the high school and the grade school, how can we apply these beatitudes in our school settings? Well, I, I think... <laughs> maybe, you know, some that don't know what a Lutheran school is, we have to bring God's Word into every class. And so, like, today, I didn't necessarily do the Beatitudes, but I started my science class with a love thing, love is patient, and so on, and, and then applied that to them. And I and I think we just have to do that with with all of the teachings that we're doing and, and realize that, yeah, science is important, but really, 
starting God's word and bringing that into it is really what's important. And that's how we can do the Beatitudes also by showing them how important it is to be in Christ more than into basketball or the NBA or whatever. Yeah, and with that, uh, one of the things with school choice that I hear about is people say, yeah, but, but kids can opt out of religion class. So before I, get, before I say what I say to parents and kids who want to opt out, what have you said? No one said that to me yet. Yeah. <laughs> and I have, um, at, at Trinity in Caledonia, they do it so that if, or no, maybe it's in, anyhow, one of our area schools, they do it so that if you don't tell them before school starts that you're going to opt out, you can't, and then you're going to be part of it. Uh, it hasn't happened to us yet, and if it does, I guess I would say, well, then you're going to have to have this class and we're going to go deep into God's Word, and you're going to be writing reports every day and stuff like that. Yep, because so, you can yeah. do that. Right. And when I've had it, I had two students several years ago, and they wanted to opt out. After they, they're in eighth grade, so they've been in our school system the entire time, and they wanted to opt out. Well, I challenged them, why do you want to opt out? They just didn't want to do all the work because right. they weren't going to be confirmed. And you know, the principal at the time, he and I said, what you said, Dave, is, well— you don't just get a study hall. You get to do other work, and the principal is going to have them do his Hillsdale College uh, Constitution work. So it's really heavy stuff. And I explained, too, that what I was teaching was no different in eighth grade than they learned in kindergarten was through Christlight. Uh, and but the reason I asked that question, too, is if they want to opt out, they'd have to opt out out of everything. Yes, because it's in every class. It's in every class. It's in every class. And then, you know, I think also to understand what uh, I've said and the former principal said, and I'm sure you might say this too, is, you know what, you have a choice seat. You can just take that and go somewhere else, another religious school where it doesn't matter to them. It matters to us, and right. we stand right. by that principle. Because yep. I think that's the blessings and woes. Yep. How about you? How would Jeremy, how would you apply the Beatitudes in your high school setting? Uh, when it comes to just doing your work and uh, studying, uh, woe, woe to you who laugh now because you'll be mourning and weeping. Um, you, you can, uh, yeah, you can take it easy and slack off now, but uh, there'll be a price to pay later. Um, and 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 that's that's a good also reminder of that Jesus is talking about life on this earth. He's not talking about how you get to heaven or how you get forgiveness. He's 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 saying. This is life on this earth. Uh, you get your, you get your. If you want your comfort and your uh, enjoyment up front, uh, there will be a price to pay later. Okay. So let's look at uh, the epistle lesson, which is Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Uh, so it's where Paul is talking about his thorn in the flesh. So we, the first few verses of chapter twelve. Paul is talking about receiving these visions of heaven, and he's trying to be humble enough in saying, oh, I know a man who had these visions. But later on, he says, well, I was the man. Uh, Jeremy, you want to read those? I'm sorry, what? 2 Corinthians 12, starting with verse 7 and ending with verse 10. 7 to 10, yeah. all right. Uh, Therefore, to keep me from becoming arrogant due to the extraordinary nature of these revelations... I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me, so that I would not become arrogant. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that he would take it away from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, because my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will be glad to boast all the more in my weaknesses, 
so that the power of Christ may shelter me. That is why I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then am I strong. So, so Dave, uh, I, I know you are not an arrogant person at all. You're, you're a very humble person. So what has God given you to keep you humble through all your ministry? Like, that could be a very personal question. I know, I know. I, I kind probably, of set it up that way. Probably experience. Yeah. Because so? I wasn't always. Because, like, I was a very, very competitive person, and you get humbled, you realize, like, when I came out of high school, I thought I was one of the top hurdlers in the in the area because I, I just loved it, and I, and I did it real well. And then I went to college, and, and I was at a, you know, DMLC, a school of three people, and we go against some of the <laughs> smaller colleges in this, this state of Minnesota, and I'd be getting beat. I'm like, whoa. Wow. Okay. I guess I'm not any good. You get beat down enough. It's like, okay, yeah, you're you're really not that important, and sure. that's that's helped. I guess the Lord made it happen that way. Definitely. Uh, but I remember talking about sports. Uh, so I've been, uh, I forget how old I was when I moved to Racine, but I went with Pastor Reckley, who knew I liked soccer, and we went and played soccer, just a pickup Saturday game with other older guys here. And these guys were, they looked out of shape. I mean, they had beer guts that weigh as much as I do. And yet I couldn't beat them. I was still in pretty good shape, running shape and everything, because they were all, even though they were older than me at the time and looked like they were out of shape, they grew up with a soccer ball. They were all, we were the probably only two white guys there. They're all, well, there are other white guys, but they were from Russia and Czechoslovakia and so forth. And all of those guys were fantastic, even though they couldn't run a whole lot. And that humbles you, too. And I didn't really go back. Because... Did you say Pastor Reckley was playing with you? Yeah. Yeah. That was a long time ago. What? I wouldn't have I thought of that. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know he was a soccer guy. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so what about how does the Lord, well, why is it important for the Lord to keep us as ministers of the gospel humbled? Because it's not about us. I think it's about the ministry of our, you know, and, and getting God's word out to people and realize it's not about us. And it, and anyone that thinks it's about them, it's it, they're a little messed up, really, because it's about our Lord and Savior, and that's it. Yeah, definitely. So we got to be humble and get the word out to people. And you'll never be able to reach, uh, whether students or church members, uh, if if you are constantly uh, succeeding and flying high, and uh, you're ne- if you're never humbled. Uh, you'll never be able to reach people that are constantly getting humbled all the time in their lives. Yeah, it's been really a neat thing to be downtown Racine because you meet all kinds of people. And if you came into it thinking you're this great person, you wouldn't even go talk to them. And now I'm talking to people all the time downtown. Like just today there was two people walking down the middle of the road coming down. Oh. And it was uh, whatever, Grant Street. I say, how are you guys doing? You know, and so we talked for five, ten minutes. It was kind of neat. And, it, and if I had an attitude that I'm this important person, uh, I probably wouldn't have done that. Right. Yeah. So was Paul nuts for boasting about his thorn in the flesh? What what was his thorn in the flesh? Do you guys have any ideas? What are you are you making the nuts comment because the very next verse, verse eleven, he says, I have become a fool. You right. force which is kind of his point. It's like, yeah, I know, this sounds like crazy talk. Yeah. But uh this it's it's the truth. This is what I. That's how I gotta live. Uh, the, what was his thorn? Um, uh, probably the best one I've heard so far is uh, something to do with his eyesight because 
he talks so much about in Galatians. He talks about how painful his uh, eyesight is, and he has to write with big letters. And um, but uh, I mean, it could have been any number of things. Yeah, and I've heard too. It could have been a speech impediment, uh, which would be very difficult for this a preacher. He's preaching all the time if he's stumbling over his words. Or some have said that it could be malaria. Again, he's traveling all over the place. And I think that the Holy Spirit keeps it vague, specifically so that we don't pigeonhole it as one thing and then say, oh, he had that issue. But keeping it uh, vague as a thorn in the flesh. And, you know, just imagine, you know, have a, having a thorn. And, and I've had big thorns and so forth. You just can't dig out. And it's just always painful. And... And he calls it a thorn in the flesh. He calls it a messenger of Satan. That's how awful this was to him. It, it, um, it may, you know, you think of these, these biblical characters and writers. You've got Peter who uh, had his uh, moment of shame with uh, denying Christ and David with Bathsheba. He's got a whole affair that's, that's written in the pages of Scripture. I suppose it's got to be kind of nice if you're a, a writer of Scripture to have at least a little bit of your life be kept private. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So go back to the, uh, my first question is, was Paul crazy for boasting in his weakness? You know, I just think he's a great man of faith because I, I don't know about too many people that can boast about their weaknesses. You know, he, he must have just been a great man of faith, obviously. I don't know. Yeah, he wasn't crazy. A great man of faith. That's what I put it at. Yeah. It, I mean, crazy in the sense of like um, in First Corinthians where he's saying uh, th- that God's wisdom is foolishness. It's like whatever the word. So crazy in the eyes of this world. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So how do we help our people? So, you know, Dave, with your your grade schoolers and Jeremy with your high schoolers, myself as a pastor of uh, all different ages, how do we encourage our people to boast in their weaknesses? Because I think a lot of people, they want to hide their weaknesses. That's that's a good question. Well, that's why I asked it. Yeah, that is a good question. <laughs> So we can't have dead air because that's that's bad. So, I'll... Uh, well, both of you are thinking of an answer. I will. Um, no, I'm not thinking of an answer. Talk... I, I just wait till you, you guys answer, think of and one. then I just then I just make up stuff afterwards. No, did 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 we go through Second Corinthians before? No. Okay, so then this is an okay time for me to bring up. It was a cartoon of um, that that I saw online. That I think it was from Kevin Hundley's uh, Facebook page that had a picture of Paul writing this letter saying there was a messenger of Satan sent to torment me. And then uh, standing next to him in the jail cell was SpongeBob SquarePants saying, Hey Paul, you're writing a letter. You're writing. What are you writing, Paul? What are you doing? (laughs) So I have an answer. I'll come up with one. I just think to live the life of a Christian and to not be too, too proud to talk to anybody about God's word and to and to not offend when you do that but to get the word to them and, and to realize to stoop down to if that's how you're going to say it down to their level and and whatever you are to be humble enough to be able to tell people about God's love yeah to do it like we did in the last one just do it like your games yeah just yeah. just do it don't play those strategy games right well <laughs> So tell Gabe, I'm just not going to play strategy games with him. 
Yeah, yeah, I'll pass that along. Yeah. Uh, well, and I was thinking as you guys were talking, because before we started recording, we were talking about Star Wars. So to make a Star Wars analogy of uh, one of the weaknesses in the Jedi, you know, they, they talk about that you, you shouldn't have any kind of attachments. You know, you, you're pulled away from your family as a youngling, and you can't have you can't have attachments uh, for uh, you know Anakin with his mom, uh, Anakin with Padme, and then what does that do? Well, because he doesn't have those attachments, the the Jedi, you know Mace Windu and and Yoda, the the Jedi Council, they think that it's bad for the Jedi to have that attachment. But if uh, if Anakin would have had that attachment, maybe he wouldn't have gone to the dark side. And, and and that comes in with the we were talking too about the book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian and Grogu or Baby Yoda and uh, and the Mandalorian and their attachment to each other and again the Jedi think that's a bad thing and that's one of the weaknesses of you know obviously the Sith the bad guys they have their weaknesses too but it's it's when you're are drawn away from everyone else. You need that. And that's what Paul's talking about here is you need to have those weaknesses. Uh, you need to realize that you can't do it on your own. One of the great fallacies, and one of my eighth graders picked up on this last year. I asked them, uh, God, what do you think of this statement? God won't give you more than you can handle. And one of the eighth graders raised his hand. He never raises his hand because, well, eighth, they're eighth graders. They never raise their hand. And he said, no, that's wrong. God purposely gives you more than you can handle. I said, amen. Why? He goes, so you can rely on God. All right. And that's what Paul's getting at here. I'm really glad. he. I was I was worried for a second there. He, he was going to bring that Jedi and uh, Star Wars analogy around back to God's word. But uh, did. you did. <laughs> you, you landed the plane. <laughs> hey, just you get me wound up on Star Wars. I'm And I'm trying to really not give away the last couple of episodes of Book of Boba Fett, too. Cause I, know I, you I haven't even started, I haven't started Book well, of Boba Fett. That's why. It won't take you too long. It's just started, what is it, five, six? Seven. Seven, seven oh, episodes. Seven. All right. And the last episode's the longest with an hour. Oh, all right. What else do you guys have to say with this text? I just, the last verse just blows my mind that to to boast in your weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and like after a week like this this is where i'm starting to look for a different job instead of boasting right i mean it's just how did he do that i i'd love to have talked to him just yeah. how did you do that i mean i know lord it's the lord i get that but how what do you do so let's let's talk a little bit about this is what makes the ministry so hard for a, a teacher, a principal, pastor. Yeah, I think in talks that, that the, are, where our, our lay people may not understand. I mean, I, they understand the workload and everything. I think I'm going to go back to a phone call I had from a mom a couple weeks ago, where she was upset because we made some new rules for the bathroom because they were flushing toilet paper down the toilet, and we were having to pay $500 for a plumber to come. Like big masses of toilet right, paper. Right, so we had, I said, there's new restrictions, and you're going to be monitored in the bathroom. The mom thought we were going to stand in the bathroom, and I'm like, well, no, that, no, 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 no. So the monitoring is the teacher goes into the bathroom, make sure it's good, and then when everyone's done, the teacher goes in and checks it again and makes sure everything's good in the bathroom. There's no, put, but, and I, so I, I said to this mom, I said, 
you may not understand this, but we care for your kids better than you do, and we love them more than you do sometimes. And I said it, she, she understood where I was coming from because of the conversation, but you put so much love and care and concern into these kids, and then the parents come back and accuse you of things that are like bizarre because their kid said something. And I just think they don't understand that, that you put your heart and soul into it, and then it gets torn out when, when they're questioning. Not they can't question you, that don't mean that way, but that they question some very obvious things that you would never do. And that, that to me, I think, as a teacher is what tears us up. Yeah. What I was going to answer was uh, very briefly summarizing what he just said, which was the people. Yeah. 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 The people are what make it hard. Yeah, ministry would be easy if we didn't have to deal with so many sinners all the time. And and, and honestly, on the other side of it, then I tell the teachers, let's be thankful for the kids that we get to minister because they're a lot better than you think they are, and and we get to do that. So that's the other side of that same coin. And and at the same time, yeah, yeah, that that they're 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 like both. Well, like you said about the the choice money, it's the blessing and the, mm-hmm. the curse at the same time, and and I think that's definitely true of the people that we serve. Uh, some of my greatest highs, uh, one some of my the top of my list for why I get up in the morning and go into Shoreland is the encounters that I get to have with those high schoolers. Right. I, what you said before about loving the high school level. I, I totally resonate with that and get that. It's it's even more rewarding than the frustrations are frustrating. I would totally agree. High school level is, is awesome. Absolutely. And one of the things that I talked about every once in a while with our people, because, you know, I'm friends with so many of them, obviously, but I remind them is I am not your friend. I'm your pastor. There are things that I can't share with you. And there are things that I don't share with my wife. You know, I said something to her the other day, and she she asked me more. I said, I can't tell you more. And I think our people don't understand the loneliness that is there oftentimes for our called workers. That there are things we know. You know, Dave, you know things about you know parents and kids that you can't share with other people. And Jeremy, you and I know as pastors, we can't share with other people our, our people. Now, that's why it's so important for us and for our congregations and schools to send us away, you know, send us to conferences, circuit studies, you know, whatever parent or teacher things for, and for us to get together, I think, uh, or go up to the boundary waters. Oh yeah. And to be alone. But I think to, to get together and it's a weird thing here in Wisconsin when you're, I don't know what it was like in Nebraska or Kansas and so forth, but when we were in Kentucky, we got together a lot with the other college. That, that was very different in Kansas, I will say. Well, yeah, Nebraska too. Uh, it, it was like there was we were so widespread and far apart that we just treasured it and cherished it that much more when we could get together with you know circuit studies or conferences or whatever. Um, and and uh, yeah, that, that is missing a little bit just because I think it's taken for granted that well, there's you know throw throw a stone and you'll hit a called worker. Uh, Although I'll have to say WLS is amazing for that. It, it's been refreshing for me. There's a number of people that I truly get. I get along with all the staff, but there's some that we're doing stuff, and uh, the staff itself has been amazing to get along with. So, yeah, and Nebraska was different than that, too, a little bit, I think, because we had, you know, 11 teachers slash pastors on the campus, basically. And at one point, we all lived in the town of 236 people. And so you get together a little bit more because you have to because you bump into them literally on the streets of, of Waco. So, yeah, it was a little different. Yeah, but I, I, I believe what you guys are talking about was like for me in Manitowoc. Mm-hmm. That was totally that way that you just, 
yeah, they're 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 real close. You just didn't get a chance to do stuff with them because well, they're close. We can, so you don't. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what you were saying, Dave, is uh, Jay Sully, our seventh grade teacher and assistant principal, who just took a call, and he said in his email to all of us on staff at WLS of he can't believe how close everyone is. We have all these teachers, all these aides, and three campuses, and you know, ten minutes apart. And yet, how close everyone is. Yeah. And to cherish that. And just for our listeners, too, just to understand that, again, that loneliness that our, our called workers have because they can't share so much stuff. And so, you know, encourage them to get away. Get away as husband and wife, get away with their kids, uh, get away to be with other called workers so that they can share this stuff with them that's heavy on their hearts and, and ask uh, for help, pray, that kind of stuff. It's, to bring it to this is because we do have our weaknesses mm-hmm. and we need to rely on each other. So anything else you guys want to bring up with these two texts? I have spoken. <laughs> this is the way. This is the way. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this is Pastor Zarling with Principal David Ring and Pastor Lightning Never Strikes the Same Place Twice. Stay thirsty, my friends, then drink deeply from the water of life.